Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. As soon as the tournament was over, I was like, I was right there. And I now understand that I have to set my life up in such a way that this is, for me anyway, it's like pretty much everything. Like I put all of my focus into it, all of my direction. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is Victoria Anthony, two-time U.S. World Team member, two-time U.S. Open champ. She's also an entrepreneur. She's the owner of FreeFlowGusto.com. They make workout bands. This was a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it, folks. My fan of the week is Marcus Muchek. That's Pick It Up Marcus on Instagram. Thank you for following, my friend. Greatly appreciate the support. And folks, this episode is brought to you by a friendly reminder to rate or review the show. Give us whatever star rating you deem appropriate. But by doing so, it helps raise the profile of the podcast to others who are looking for wrestling content. That's it, folks. I've said my piece. Let's give it up for Victoria Anthony. Peace! Victoria Anthony, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Doing great. A lot of places we could start, but one of the things I was most fascinated by during my research is that as a young lady on the West Coast, six, seven years old, you would draw yourself on the Olympic podium. Is that true? Is that That true? And if so, how'd that start? Uh, you know, I, so I started with judo. Um, when I was six years old, I would have to go watch my dad practice judo. Um, my dad practiced a bunch of different martial arts, which I'm so grateful for because he introduced me to all of them. Like my, some of my earliest memories are like him taking me to the martial arts store and buying nunchucks and throwing stars, <laughs> rubber ones. And, um, yeah, so I, I was like, well, if I have to come watch this judo practice, I want to be in this judo practice. Especially, I just was so hyperactive, and I still am. And I was like, I want to do this. <laughs> and um, and then they they actually didn't allow kids that young, but I just asked every single day until I annoyed my dad enough that he annoyed this judo sensei enough that they let me. Um, and then from that point forward, I you know just fell in love with competing and in, in love with the sport. And uh, on the drawing note, that that's I don't have that many clear memories from that age but I I do just remember um really terribly drawing podiums and myself with a gi on so (laughs) that started early for you then huh yeah yeah for sure it did how big was Ronda Rousey in the judo world when you were coming up was she massive 
massive. I mean, not in, not in the way that she's massive in the MMA world, at least for me. Um, I stopped doing judo though when I was 14. So I, mm-hmm. that was before her Olympic medal. Um, but Brandon and I grew up together, like doing judo in the same Southern California area. And judo is just such a small community. There's not that many people doing judo in the first place, yeah. uh, which is one of the reasons I switched over to wrestling that like my mom would drop me off at Rhonda's house. And then Rhonda's mom would take us up North to San Jose where there's a judo team. So yeah, it's been, it's been awesome to watch her, her rise in MMA, but I would say nothing like um, what she's done in MMA, but amazing in judo as well. I never made the connection that you were the same age or like, are you, you're not, the, I don't know if you're the same age or not, but I'm than her by, I don't know how much, uh, I don't know. I don't know. She's definitely two, two, maybe three years older than me. I'm not sure. But so she yeah. was more like a peer than like someone you'd looked at way up to. I looked, I definitely looked up to her. She was like the next generation up, I would say a little bit older. Um, but also in a way a peer. <laughs> and it would have continued like that if I continued doing judo, you know, but I just stopped competing um, and switched over to wrestling. But it's so funny. She wrote about my mom in her book, <laughs> which is like, I was just so happy for my mom in that, in that case. <laughs> How did your mom make a mention in there? So my mom being the, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe my mom. She just, she gets what she wants and she's outspoken. And um, Rhonda's mom like couldn't come to a tournament for some reason. And so my mom was taking us both to the competition and we get to the head ta- the table where you're supposed to register. And the, the man looks at Rhonda and looks at my mom, who's black, and she's, he's like, um, we need, like, her mother or guardian here. You can't, like, you can't register her. And, and Rhonda I, had twisted her ankle, I think, like, the day before or something like that, jumping a fence. So she's like, hell yeah, like, I don't have to, re- I don't have to fight this tournament. And then my mom was like, you think this isn't my daughter? You think I'm not her guardian? Like, who are you to tell me this? And, like, off the rip. And the guy's like, never mind. You know what? We will send the waiver. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. You made an appearance. Now, as you were describing your dad going to all these martial arts classes um and different practices i just realized is his name last name also anthony <laughs> it is it so is. it's tony anthony so this is where it gets confusing his first name is flanoy but it's spelled f-l-o-u-r-n-o-y so it's spelled flournoy and nobody has seen the, these letters together like this so nobody can pronounce <laughs> it nobody can say it so people just call him tony based on his last name <laughs> Gotcha. Why I call him Flo because I'm like, we can't. No, we're not just letting your name go. This is <laughs> we can use this. I've never heard, what, say spell one more time his name. F L O U R N O Y. So kind of like baking flour and then noy. <laughs> gotcha. I would have been R- like, I- <laughs> got it. Okay, because I'm like Tony, Tony. That's the that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, but that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you've told a million people this. How did you make the transition from judo to wrestling? Just humor us with that story. So I got injured doing judo my eighth grade year and I broke my wrist. I was actually at the judo nationals that year and I was throwing a girl um, and I'm holding her gi and she's on my back and then my hand flipped off her gi and I you should never post in any situation, but I just, it just slipped and I posted my hand and I didn't realize until I stood back up to fight again, they like called like, mate pause and you go back to stand to, to restart and I looked at my my wrist and my, my sleeve dropped and my hand was like over here and the rest of my wrist was over here so I was like oh that doesn't look right <laughs> and um they're like I tried to 
I don't even know what I was thinking, but I was like, no, I, don't, I didn't, I couldn't feel it. So I was like, no, I think I'm fine. And they're like, you're not fine. So that injury set in motion, um, a wrist surgery, two knee surgeries that year, and just taking away um, a year from judo. But it happened to be when I was transitioning to high school. And so my, my parents actually suggested, they're like, you have competed all your life. Like you should try to wrestle because the high school has a wrestling team. And I was like, ah, no, that's a really bad idea. I'm not going to do that because it's social, like just social, social suicide. And I don't want to join the boys wrestling team. Like, hell no. And, um, and then I ended up seeing a demonstration and joined because it got me out of PE. And then from there I was like, oh, okay. The, pretty much I saw the demonstration was like, this looks like judo. Like I, there's, definitely similarities so I should be able to manage this at least for four years in high school um so that that was it <laughs> and then you but it went from there to to something obviously you love first four-time women's champ ever which I didn't know that yeah. so you you get into it I mean did it remind you of judo in the sense of like the one-on-one -on -one competitiveness yeah for sure and mostly like the motion so I was able to my freshman and sophomore year I just threw everybody because I that's what I knew how to do that's what my body already was trained to do and trips and all that um so that is what I think just like allowed me to maneuver so well into the sport and because it's pretty late to be entering you know at 14 15 mm -hmm. whatever um and that just gave me that in that like makes it so fun for me like there's so much I can do with my body in this sport because of what I've been trained to do for like the first you know eight years of my my judo career yeah a lot of wrestlers Andre Metzger actually was a big judoka player um and there's a there's a couple I'm from Illinois a couple studs that came through Chicago who had a judo background and they were also super good at wrestling but it just kind of scared you because they know that you know that they could throw your ass if you weren't watching at a moment's yeah. notice you know mm -hmm. um and so you, you start to fall in love with wrestling. Now, when you were coming up, were there women's only tournaments in California? And like, was Body Bar going at that time? Yes. So I almost think it had just been reintroduced. So I, there was no um, cadet worlds at the time, but there was Body Bar for cadets. And so I competed in that and just like, I don't know, I was cadet national champ. And then, um, and then my, when I was 16, I made my first junior world team through the Body Bar Nationals. Um, and then consecutively made four junior world teams from then so a couple years then making world teams how did yeah. mike jones get you to leave sunny california to go all the way up to california uh, canada he did it he barely responded to my emails <laughs> <laughs> people are like did they recruit you heavy to get up to canada i'm like no i had to beg them to like not them but mike in particular he's just uh he's so great i'm so grateful for for having gone up to that program but um yeah basically i was my dad and i were like hmm okay I want to continue wrestling in college, so we're looking at the options. And um, I want to say it was more my dad that was like, why don't we take a look at Canada? Because I personally was not interested in the options at the time in the U.S. Um, just because they were all pretty much schools with populations smaller than my high school. And I had specific academic goals, and I had specific um, things I wanted out of college experience, like a big school with an international population in hopefully a city, not like a small town, because I'm coming from, I'm just a big city person. It's not, yeah. uh, I just didn't suit, you know? And um, yeah, so luckily Vancouver is just straight up the coast too. It's not even like I have to cross the country to get there. And uh, took a visit and in the winter, <laughs> it wasn't a good visit. I like locked myself out with no shoes on in shorts <laughs> in <laughs> the at the school one of the nights and like 
I, I don't know, the visit wasn't good in general, but I still fell in love. And I just knew it was the place I was meant to go, I think. Um, so I was like, okay, let's do this. What's it going to take for a big school, like a Pac-12, a Big Ten school, to put a freaking women's wrestling team on the, on the docket? When do you think it's going to come? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think within the next four years. It's so hard to say. There's so much change, so many things going on. You know, who knows if there's going to be a college season this year. Yeah. Um, it's so, it's, there's so much changing, and I love it because when there's change, there's opportunity. And, um, but to put dates on things, it's really, really hard right now. Some things happen, like, tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what? And then things take much longer than expected, so it's hard to say. Well, the reason I bring it up is you mentioned you were you wanted to wrestle in college, but you know, a lot of the schools are, are smaller, um, you know, King out in Tennessee. I'm sure that's pretty small school. I think there was one in Oklahoma that was a power for a while. I think it was like Oklahoma City. Like they were really good. But yeah, all smaller schools. And if you want to have that big school experience, you should be able to do that. So I often ask my friends, I go, we hear a lot of talk about it. It's all women's wrestling is exploding, which is awesome. When are we going to see like a Big Ten school just step up and throw it on the on the docket? I, I can't wait. And I do think there it's definitely been being talked about at a few schools, and I'm grateful for those head coaches that are taking that initiative and starting the conversation. Um, I'm not gonna, I don't know how how far along, so I don't want to throw them out. But yeah. Uh, and then one other thing on that, I'm really proud of the girls that did what they've done at Columbia, which is really just Bree. I don't know how to say your last name, Bree. I'm sorry, Santos, I think. Um, and it was she, she talked about it in the How She Wrestles campaign. If you're mm -hmm. if you've been, I love those. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't know this about her. And I'm like, wow, it's amazing that she basically was like, I'm not willing to make the trade for the things that I want for my life, you know, academically. And she just had certain goals with um, with studying at an Ivy League school. And she thought she was going to have to stop wrestling because of that. She's like, you know what, never mind. <laughs> I'll figure this out. And I just love to see it. Yeah. So what what's going on up there? What's she doing? Is she wrestling in a club while also going to Columbia or...? Yeah, exactly. So um, they have, she just spoke with the Columbia coaches from at least from how the how she wrestles video. She said she spoke with the coaches and they were like, we will take women wrestlers here. Like, please come. And they just worked it out in such a way that they I think she's it's like a club sport, maybe on the mm -hmm. women's side. I'm not really sure. And then also I know that NYRTC is somehow involved um, and there's dip donors involved in that. But it seems like she really just maneuvered a path which is one thing I love about women's wrestling and women wrestlers. Like there's no girl in the sport that doesn't have some story of having to maneuver their own path to get to where they want because there's just, there wasn't a path. Right. Well, I mean, think about when you went through it, there was some tournaments going on, but even if it was a decade before, it was non-existent. You know, Patricia Sanders was out there on her own making things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Patricia, Miranda, Miranda. And uh, Trisha, oh, Patricia, oh yeah, Patricia Sanders. Is that Trisha's first name? <laughs> I think it is. I'm, oh, I'm, that would make sense. As soon as you said it, I'm like, shit, maybe I got it confused, but I thought it was, uh, yeah, you're right, but. No, Trish Sa Saunders, Sanders. Yeah, Saunders. But yeah, Townsend I've Saunders. I never won. thought that probably Patricia. Yes, you're right. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I can't even imagine what that generation of women right. went through daily, like. Because I know just myself, the inner turmoil I had to go through in joining a boys wrestling team. But I knew there were girls tournaments and I knew that other girls wrestled and that was at least in existence. And those women were like, this literally doesn't exist um, in, in a lot of ways. So right. thank you to them. <laughs> when you guys are, you, know, you mentioned the How She Wrestles video series, which is really cool. I, it's, it's, it's just well named too. Like every time it flows into a video, I'm like, 
it's just, you know, kind of catchy how you guys say it. And then yours is how the one you just did was how you wrestle with injuries. And kind of the main theme was that you stopped listening to what other people said about your injuries and started trusting your body. Can you just share that? Cause I thought it was a really interesting way to look at injuries and prevention moving forward. Yeah, for sure. So with injuries in particular, I, that in that video, I mentioned my neck because that's the worst injury I've suffered in, in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was when I was up at SFU, my neck, I just herniated a disc, which I, I think disc herniation comes over time. It's not like it was, you know, one day it happened, but um, over time it got really bad to the point where I was like constantly getting stingers on my arms, just like all my fingers and arms were tingling all the time. And uh, I was told that I wasn't going to be able to continue wrestling. And it was just like, to hear that, it was like, how did we get that far along already? What do you mean? Um, And so I just kind of filed it away, but I never took it. I don't know. I never believed it. I feel like I, I was like, I don't know. We'll deal with that later. Let's just try to fix it for now. So I get to a point where my neck's functional and then I was still being, but I wasn't wrestling. I wasn't wrestling live. And I, for a period, I wasn't even practicing. Um, and so I was told like, no, don't get your hopes up though, because you're going to have all those symptoms come back. And at that point I was like, I don't think that has to be true. Um, and, and I just decided to start to make adjustments with my wrestling, with my body, the way that I sleep. I always, like whenever I travel, I bring my own pillow because it's curved to my neck. And there's definitely adjustments that I've had to make. But overall, I was like, I'm going to listen to my own body because it gives me signs and signals beforehand. And it's a, such a tricky line with wrestling in particular because you do have to be mentally tough and you do have to um, be willing to push yourself past certain points. And, and that's walking that line, but then also um, giving your body what it needs to be able to function at the highest level uh, just takes knowing yourself, I think. And that's what I learned in that experience. Like I have to know myself well enough to know when um, I'm about to be put off the mat for a week if I don't handle my little injuries or if I don't take the time that I need. But nobody else is going to be able to see that. I mean, maybe if, I, if, you're, if you have such a great relationship with your coach, of course, um, that, that's that situation by situation. I think sometimes there are coaches that are like, no, you're doing too much. You need to pull back. Uh, but it really takes knowing yourself as a person and knowing your body as a person. Um, but also knowing your mentality. Cause I have to, and that's when I will, you know, have to check myself sometimes or ask a coach to check me. Like, am I being a whip about this or am I fine? Like, can somebody, right. like I need to be back. Um, yeah. That's like the constant guilt wrestlers feel is that, you know, are you actually injured or, or are you just, kind of feeling sorry for yourself but a lot of times you are hurt and you keep going and you do more damage than good and so did you actually you never had to have surgery from all that and you never had to stop you just kept going through no I didn't yeah I I adjusted the way that I re-entered the sport so for a period for a long period I didn't do live um and then even still I just pretty much don't go under front headlocks I'll do the amount necessary to stay Mm -hmm. sharp but I'm not getting my neck pulled on, like yanked and yanked and yanked in front headlock positions. It's just not worth it <laughs> right. uh, at the end of the day. And like back squats, I don't back squat with the bar on my neck anymore. Um, I'll only front squat because it'll, again, it'll put me out for a, a week or a month as opposed to just taking, you know, this piece of my practice out. Do you ever feel it in a competition, like at the Bill Fair or something like that, where you're in one of those positions and something tweaks or does it not come up for you? Um, I mean, I think that for sure is something that, that happens all the time, but not necessarily only my neck, my knee, this, that, sure. the other, you're always going to have those and in turn competition. It's like, doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Right. Of course. But right. besides 
winning the match, winning the position, um, and just dealing with those little tweaks after. And there's some matches where I can mentally note, like, oh, that's where that happened. But there's so many matches where it's the next day that I'm like, what is this pain that I'm feeling <laughs> in the match? I don't, I don't notice or I don't remember or I'm just focused on scoring the next point or defending that position. And you talk about when you're in a match, you're you know, one of the most focused athletes out there, um, as are you know, anyone at the level you're at. But you said in past interviews that in the past, some of your, your mental holdups kind of held you back in elite competitions and that you've worked on that through like breath work and through centering yourself. So do you have a meditation practice or a breathing practice? And what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. I'm so grateful for having discovered meditation. And um, my current practice is two 20-minute meditations just repeating a mantra back to myself for that 20 minutes and just using that as my point of focus to set up on my mind um and it just seems to be the most it's it's the practice that i'm able to be the most consistent with so that's the most important thing is consistency um and for me in particular it's just so important because i have as would be described by psych psychologists as ADHD, um, which I don't love like claiming that as a disorder because in so many ways I feel it's a gift. It's just the way mm -hmm. that my brain chemistry is set up and it makes me who I am. But it also, but I do like the, I do like the labeling in the sense that I was able to learn so much about myself by starting to read about ADHD and starting to understand what all comes with this set of traits and then how I can work with myself better as a person. Um, I just wish people didn't have to take that, that heavy label on so young. And I actually didn't, I didn't realize until I was in college that ADHD was a term. <laughs> and it was because I was reading a, a psychology textbook for how to deal with kids with ADD or ADHD. And it was like a 20 point checklist. I'm reading it and I'm like, I have never in my life felt more understood than I do right now. By this <laughs> what is this? Um, and that call call home, yeah, I was gonna say, you call home to your parents. And you're like, what the hell? That was exactly it. I call, I was like, mom, do you guys, have you guys heard of this? And do you think there's a chance that I have or had it or whatever? She's like, oh yeah, girl, we knew you had that, but your cousin was medicated. So we just never wanted to tell you. And like, <laughs> I don't know, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> Your parents sound awesome. I got to tell they're you. They're awesome. I'm so, they're the best. They're so good. My mom's a star. Because <laughs> now it's like, uh, you know, a lot of elite performers are just super obsessive people. And that can take the form of ADHD or, you know, there's certain cases where it is you know, debilitating, obviously. But um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's, it's debilitating. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. Like working with who you are as a person. Everybody has something. Everybody has some characteristics that they tend towards more than others that can be valuable and then also be a hindrance if they you know if you like to get to that point and you asked about meditation in the first place and I, yeah i could be too scattered for sure so that's what really brings me um to center so two 20-minute sessions is a lot though did you start with that that's how scattered i can be dog <laughs> <laughs> that's a shitload <laughs> i know no i didn't start with that i uh i started with the headspace app have you ever do you know oh yeah me? that's what okay. i start. i do i've been doing it for about five years i started five minutes a morning with that. And then actually I use calm at first, but I tried both and I don't use either now, but I, I can't go a day without it. I start mm -hmm. getting yeah, crazy. Exactly. I start getting itchy if I don't get a meditation <laughs> in. What is your practice like? What do you, what's your current? So I do, I've varied over the years. Now I'll wake up, hit some bodyweight exercises, stretch, and then I'll go for about 10 to 15 minutes, whatever I feel I need. Mm. I don't repeat a mantra as much as I'm more so visualizing like the main task of the day or visualizing, you know, whatever's, if I, 
you know, you get in there sometimes you can feel a little anxiety in the chest and you're like, what the hell is that? And about eight minutes in, it just kind of works itself in place. And you realize that whatever you were thinking was the most important thing isn't. So I would say 80% of the time I'm not doing a mantra, but I'm just visualizing how I want this interview to go, or I'm visualizing how I want my week to go. Um, which that's what always aggravated me about meditation at the beginning is that they said you had to have an empty mind. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't go. I can't fucking have no thoughts for 20 minutes. Yeah. I don't know how it's possible. So uh-huh. um, do you do that? Do you visualize like yours or do you try to keep it empty mind? Um, yeah, I do visualize for sure. And so with that 20 minutes, um, sometimes I'll, I'll start and end at the mantra. Like it just carries me through and my mind settles. But I do think there's like a, at least the way that I understand meditation, there's a misconception about having an empty mind and no thoughts. Like the way, the best analogy I've heard is like thoughts will always be there. They're like birds chirping, but you don't hyper-focus on the birds chirping constantly. You know, you go about your day, you have conversation, you do whatever you're doing at that time. Um, so it's just like letting the thoughts be there. And uh, and then sometimes I'll, if, if I kind of like come back, it's almost like I feel like I dive deep to a the bottom of the ocean and then there's a process of coming back to the surface and sometimes if I come back to the surface before the 20 minutes then I'll at that point do what you do and like visualize my day or visualize how I want something to go um visualize a match situation whatever that might be yeah it takes a while to get into it and then once you're down there like you said kind of doing some deep sea exploration it only lasts for a certain bit of time then you yeah, come back up true. <laughs> yeah uh-huh. um and so you do yours twice a day do you do it right when you wake up or do you do anything before it when you wake up so COVID is like shaking me all around (laughs) when i I was had normal scheduled practices it was right when i woke up um and just this literally in this week that we're in right now the last few days i started to do it right when i wake up again um and but for the last few weeks it would kind of just i would fuse it into my day um but i do think it's for for me the best to do as soon as i wake up because then it can't get push till you know the far end of the day do you ever journal about things that come into mind or that pop up during that yeah for sure because sometimes it's crazy it's like literally feels like a a bubble comes to surface and just pops and it's like i've had that with memories like something i haven't thought about for eight years and i didn't even like i couldn't have had it yeah yeah exactly so so, when stuff like that happens i'll definitely uh just like write it down like that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) Well, the most annoying part is that you might get it like six minutes in and you don't want to come out of it. But, you know, if you don't get on your phone and write it down, you forget. And it's just first world problems for sure. But uh, <laughs> no, that's but, just, I find though when I whenever I set an intention, like in that moment, if I intend to remember it later, I just have such a better percentage chance. And so I really try to just infuse intention into everything I do, because it's like my intentions are like magic to me. <laughs> I'm like, just don't just don't remember this. And not saying don't forget, say remember. <laughs> and I do. So when you say intentions, you just gave an example. Like, what does that mean broadly to you, though? It means it means so many things. Um, but in general, it's being intentional about how I want things to go. So, so far as when I get into my car, I set an intention that I have a safe drive and that I arrive from point A to point B safely. And it's being intentional with my, even the language I use. So I'm, I don't want to get my car. I'm like, I intend not to crash right. <laughs> because that's really just focusing on the opposite end of what I want to happen, you know? So it's like, I'm constantly um, setting intentions for all the things in my life. Practices, even, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Practices, of course. So, you know, and that might be just this practice I intend to 
focus on their hips the whole time and, and you know, like not take my eyes off this, this area of their body or, you know, intend to just get better at finishing a single leg. Um, you said that twice, though, now being careful with your language, you know, saying don't not forget or versus you yeah. know, I want to remember. So how long has that been been in your in your mental game or your your strategy, so to speak? Or is that just something that's always come natural to you? No, it definitely has not always come natural. I think over time, I've just spent a lot of time doing um, like self-reflection and studying certain pretty much like spiritual gurus. And that's like one thing that's always talked about is, I mean, being intentional with everything and being aware of everything and intentional with how you state things um, because you're going to get a return on the thing that you say, not something else. So it's like if you intend, uh, I don't know, if you ask a realtor to show you um, studio apartments, they're not going to show you houses. So if you don't say it the right way, you're going to get the wrong response. And, and I recognize that in my own life. I'm like, Oh yeah, I actually intended for this thing because of how I, how I put it out. And um, so that, and then also I realized this is like, I don't know, so strange, but it was so valuable and important for me for a long time. I always identified as like a person that's always striving. I'm always reaching. I'm always, aiming at the next thing and then one day it dawned on me i'm like if i'm always striving and i'm always reaching i'm never arriving i'm never like at the point i'm always reaching so um and i've taken second place more times than i can count and i like for me it seems to have that that has a connection and um just being too busy or trying to always keep going more and more versus just being like, present like um like literally being like identifying as a person that's always like always striving like in being in second place you have to continue to strive because you're never you're never right. there you never arrived so now i just say to myself like i am olympic champion i am i don't even like the word olympic words olympic hopeful together <laughs> i don't like the word hopeful like i i put it in my mind as if i've done it or as if, as if i have it already as in the past tense i love that there was just yeah. a podcast i was listening to where this guy it's actually hugh jackman he journals every morning as if the day had already happened mm-hmm. and then he copy and paste it and sends it to his wife to hold him accountable. Oh, that's so like, good. Jesus. I'm like, that guy's intense yeah. with it. <laughs> like, that uh, makes me done a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, and so well. you, you've, you've done all this to continue to hone your game. How does mm-hmm. this try to translate into day of competition? What is your, you know, if there's some young wrestlers out there listening that get the pre-match nerves or, you know, they're a great practice wrestler, but not a great tournament wrestler. Mm. We've all heard that, right? Um, I struggled with it for a long time. How do you kind of use the things we've been talking about on match day? And is there a certain routine you follow to get yourself kind of centered and ready to go? Yeah, match day for me is more so about um, all the intention I've put in up to that point. So it's, there's so much work on the back end. I mean, obviously in the wrestling room, but also like in preparation for who I'm competing against, all that. Um, So on the day of the tournament, I really kind of just follow my gut and my intuition and listening to my body. And if I feel like I need more rest, then I'm going to rest more as opposed to be standing up and walking around talking to people. Um, But that's like a moment to moment checking in with myself um, more so than any set routine. And it's, I think that is different for every person because I think some people really tend towards routine. Like that's what's the most natural for them. Um, and for me, that just isn't what's the most natural for me. <laughs> um, but then I also definitely will continue. I'll do my meditations that day. Uh, still right when I wake up, like I continue that, that segment of my routine. So I think it's so important for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. 
and then otherwise my, my coach is trying to get me to be more routine based. Uh, he can't, my coach here in Calgary is named Paul Ragusa. He's amazing. He's coached two, the only two female Canadian Olympic champions. Um, and he has a system that works. It, and I recognize that <laughs> routines and things like that. I need someone's help to hold my hand and, and instill these things that aren't just literally are so far away from natural to me right uh so he does want me to have more of a routine throughout that day so we're working on that <laughs> but like you said though i mean going back to that injury you know the more you know yourself the more you can trust yourself and and what you have to do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think i mean i'm personally i believe i just have a really strong intuition about uh i mean myself and and i don't know that everybody um is set up the same way. I'm not sure. It's, it's something I'm like literally figuring out right now and asking more questions about and reading about and trying to get an understanding on. Um, but yeah, yeah. Have you ever read <laughs> the four agreements? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So that's, yeah. when you said earlier being intentional about your words, that's something that always sticks out from that book. Um, and I also read that you, one of your favorite books is by Paulo Coelho, uh, Veronica Decides to Die. How did that... <laughs> what, Where did what, you get that it's piece of info? <laughs> I, go, I go down the rabbit hole in this stuff. Actually, there was, a, there was some article out there from like 2017 that said, Day in the Life for You. And it's like, mm. it's a big pinwheel. Um, and it has like eight hours of the day you're sleeping. Oh, in. yeah. I, rem I recall that. Yeah. 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 But it said, and I love Paulo Coelho. You know, The Alchemist okay. is one of my favorites. But... Um, why is that your favorite book and what have you picked up from it? So the book is about a girl that <laughs> she's, um, the book starts with her attempting suicide and then getting put in a mental institution and then her navigating her way back to like wanting to live number one, but also it's this whole, um, narration around what even is crazy like what what's normal and what's crazy what do these words mean and where do we fit in as people into that scheme and I think I just um really took to the book because that's something I felt like my whole life kind of like wait a second the things that seem like the things that I'm like supposed to be doing quote unquote or the way that this is set up for me it doesn't seem right it doesn't seem like the thing that I really want to be doing or feel called to do um, so yeah, I think I, I like it so much because it just really examines that and that can be a hard thing to examine, especially when you want to fit in, you want, I mean, we're humans and we're social creatures and we want approval and we want, um, all of those things. We want love, we want affection and we can sometimes try to, you know, make ourselves a certain way to get those things. But the most important thing for me is like to align to my calling and to align to the things that I'm meant to build and create in this world and who I'm really meant to be, even if it's somewhat against the grain in some way. Right. Um, right. Mm -hmm. How much have of your, of your whole kind of persona of how centered you've become and how you know, in tune with yourself you become, how much of this has been impacted by, you know, 2016 when you were right there, mm -hmm. you know, you know, I'm sure that processing that was a life changing event. How, how did you process that loss and how has it impacted kind of the things we've talked about so far? Yeah, that's a great question. You're good at this. <laughs> um, it was, uh, yeah, it was hugely impactful because it just that as soon as the tournament was over, I was like, I was right there. And I now understand that I have to set my life up in such a way that this is for me anyway, it's like pretty much everything. Like I put all of my focus into it, all of my direction. Um, in, and that requires me eliminating certain things. That requires me, like, for example, I haven't allowed myself to have a boyfriend in that amount of time. 
um, because I just felt this this has a timestamp and uh, it's just a distraction. Anything like romantic relationship wise can wait pretty much or it'll still be there if not. Um, and so eliminating certain things that I found to be distracting uses of my time and just realizing I have to know myself better and I have to understand myself better because really when I watch those matches, it's not a performance at all. It's like an unraveling. I feel like I unraveled from match one through match three. Um, I mean, I, I won match two, but even still, it just like, it was when I really started to reflect on all of the things that went wrong, I was like, I have to figure out the pieces mentally that went wrong in these matches. And I there's a revamping and a, re, a breaking down and a rebuilding that needs to happen um, from then till now. And it's a it's been a process this whole time. and. A, I'm still in it, of course, but yeah. um, it was largely dependent on those 2016 trials and understanding all of these things that need to happen in order for me to end where I intend to end. And you say you watch the match. Is that something you do still or you just did right after to kind of see what went wrong? Uh, no, I did right after just to see what went wrong. And then I, I've in, in the years since I've watched, I mean, I've watched it a ton of times, especially in that, that year after. It took me a long time to release those matches like from my you know my mind my emotions my, just everything um and and now it's like something almost like I just like watching older matches to see like where what did I wrestle like am I still wrestling like that right. what tendencies have I you know changed not changed things like that um but no I haven't watched those matches in a while so the biggest thing for you was 100% the mental piece versus picking up a new leg lace or a new turn yes and no um for sure Yes, but also, like, there's a point in the third match where I have a lace, but it's going the opposite way from my, my normal lace. And it's like, a, I just make a technical error and didn't, I didn't know that piece of wrestling. And I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy that <laughs> I didn't know that. That's not cool. But so it's like a technical piece, but I think it's a mental, it's, I take that as a responsibility on my end of having not examined. Oh, sorry, the door just flew open. <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> That was so scary. Um, I'm not. Oh my god, I'm sweating. I'm gonna close it. That's so strange. Do you have the whole year of calendars on the wall right there? Is that how you plan things out? Yeah, yeah I have a year, full year, twelve months. I, I like. Uh, I was with Tom Ryan, and he had uh, on his desk. This was like months ago, but interviewing him, he had a desk of count desk full of calendars like that five years in the past just stacked on top like that so you're, you're uh, in the past or well, like the, every every year like he had oh. 2019 2018 2017 he just kept him there but literally almost wow. exactly have you have it but just laid out oh, in his that's desk that's so you're a good company yeah. there <laughs> um, that's interesting that he goes he keeps them from in the other direction i too, think though. more so just uh more so just to look back hey what did we do on practice three years ago at this time uh um, yeah, yeah. where was the team at this time versus last year but i just remember him having that and i noticed you have it but yeah. you know you mentioned what were we just talking about before the door flew open oh, the gonna, I, do, I do know what i was gonna finish saying is like it is a i realized it was a technical component that i was missing but that's because i didn't put enough into knowing every crevice of wrestling like i should have known that um and so in that way it's like a, men a responsibility i don't know if it's mental or what to call that but yeah and now you're up in Canada. You, you mentioned uh, you're with Coach Rogoso now. Is Carol and Erica still working out or have they moved on? 
No, they're here. They're here. I mean, Erica's uh, training for 2020. She just she made their Olympic team in December and qualified at the Pan Ams. So, um, and then Carol is here as well. She's still just as fast, just as technical, and I'm so lucky. It's unbelievable. <laughs> is there another gym in the country? Uh, well, not that you're in the United States, but in North America, where you know you're going to be able to train with two Olympic champs who are women? There are not. <laughs> and <laughs> it's funny because we talked about intentions before, and I wrote out this plan, um, a really long, really detailed plan of everything that I feel I need to change and needs to happen in my wrestling, in my mentality, sports, nutrition, literally everything. And one of the things I intended for, um, it was before I even recognized Calgary as a place that I might be able to train, is that I need to get around more people that have done what I want to do just because, um, yeah, like I said, I've taken second a lot, and I I need I just need to be around more people that have taken first more. Uh, just personally, it's what I it's what I just felt intuitively like that would be valuable, that would be helpful for me because I'm missing something. I just have to be honest with myself. Something is off that I'm missing, and if I uh, I think modeling people, not not copying people, but understanding um, you know a, just a model of something to work off really could be valuable and uh and then all things aligned that i end up here a place with two olympic champions like and that doesn't exist anywhere else it's crazy <laughs> isn't that freaking insane when did, you, when did you write that letter to yourself that's a great question i think in 2017 maybe i think okay. maybe in 2017 yeah 2017 i, I think and so that was uh, just kind of a mixture of all the things we're talking about, or is there, I mean, what else, I'm just curious, what else was on there that things you noticed you needed to, to change? Yeah, I mean, it was, it's so deep. It's like a, it's like a 10 page document. <laughs> it's so long, but I've updated it as I like, okay, this is like my six month update of, and how have these things changed that I've intended for. Um, financial stuff was on there. I was like, if I'm in the same position in 2020 financially that I was in 2016, that's a big error on my part. <laughs> right. Because it, yeah, like, this ain't cool. And it, <laughs> it makes life exhausting and tiring when you're trying to, you know, support yourself financially and you just don't even know where that money's coming from. Like, like yeah. how are we going to do this this month, you know? Um, and one thing, too, I, I just felt that I have living alone is an important part of my own process just because it is so easy for me to, like, veer off in any direction. And if, we start, if I start having a conversation with my roommate – it's just not as easy for me to get back on track. And when I know I have, I want to meditate twice a day. I want to do all these things. It requires giving myself the time to do that. So mm -hmm. living alone was on there, but uh, in the finances, in order to comfortably live alone, not, um, not be scraping away. It's like, that's, that's an extra stress and any stress at all, whether it's mental, emotional, physical is a stress on the body that, you know, you, I would get injured more often if I have more stressors. And so yeah. a lot of the plan was like reducing those extra stressors that I, and getting control over them. So are you a full, and forgive me if I'm asking too much, but are you a full-time okay. athlete? That's all you do is train? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What yeah, a great Well, situation. actually, I guess in COVID, I started a business. <laughs> so now I'm an entrepreneur as well. <laughs> Congrats. What's the yeah. business? Thank you. Um, it's called Free Flow and Gusto, and it's uh, resistance bands. I just, at the start of COVID, I was like, okay, I've always seen myself as a person that doesn't work for someone else, basically. Like, um, and I'm not sure, what, never knew what that was going to look like, but I always knew it just to be true for myself. And uh, so I was like, okay, maybe I'll start. I'll figure that out now. And I also wanted to help in some way, help the world in through this pandemic. And yeah. obviously, fitness products have been huge during this time period. Um, and the bands are sweet because they're it's a, it's a set of five bands that have a carabiner system to either ankle straps or um, 
like handles, handles. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so just they're super versatile. You can do so much with them and they like hook into your door, any door in the house. So you can do a lot with them. So that's what are the, that's if someone wants to buy them, where would they go? Freeflowgusto.com. So free F R E E flow F L O W gusto G U S T O.com. <laughs> and is that the same company you do the Instagram uh, nutritional yeah. supplements for? Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. you, got, you got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. No, you're telling me. Um, uh, no, Optimum Effects is the supplement company that I'm sponsored by, and I love them, and I'm so grateful for them. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, they create such great supplements. I see you, I see you um, you're doing a lot for them on Instagram, so I figured I'd ask you about it because it's obviously Thank important you. to you. Yeah, is yeah. it uh, like, like protein stuff? or like? Yeah, so of- they have... Uh, I believe 12 products in their product line. And um, the one that's best for me is the sleep supplement. So they have a, a sleep supplement, a like, it would be like a, kind of like a pre-workout, but it's not a pre-workout. They're all natural ingredients, like pretty plant-based in the, in, in those, um, those, what is the word? Uh, I want to say compilations. That's not the word. <laughs> formulas, formulas, and those formulas. <laughs> um, and then they, they have, I love it. Yeah, that's, not, that's not right. No, and then they have protein as well, of course, and different amino acid complexes. Um, and I really like them as a company because the, the the founder and the owner, Ian Danny, is a coach of various NFL NFL guys, NHL guys, um, Olympic athletes. He's coached some of these NFL guys for like a decade or more, and he originally was only making supplements for his athletes just because he wanted clean supplements um that he knew were high quality and then he just within the last year started to sell them you know um, the mainstream audience so yeah awesome so you got a lot of stuff going on and i've heard before that you were planning on retiring after 2020 obviously you're you're trying out for 2021 we can safely assume right (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, for sure (laughs) what does life look like after 2021 for you or have you not allowed yourself to venture that far no i have i have for sure it's I basically just have like plan A, B, C, D because there's so many ways it can go. Um, I could continue to wrestle another quad, um, which I don't really intend to do right fingers now. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's so it's like, what I don't know who it's so hard to say. That's why it's plan A, B, C, D. Um, I also feel like my, if I don't give fighting uh, an honest chance, then I wouldn't be able to live the rest of my life happily. So because, you know, judo and I also did some jujitsu before I ever wrestled. So I have a base in submissions and in other forms of grappling martial arts. Um, So giving myself minimum a year of of training and start seeing if fighting is like the thing for me or not. Um, And then outside of that, I just really love talking to people and helping people in whatever way is they, you know, whatever way it it happens. And um, my undergrad is in psychology. And I initially intended to go back to school and get a master's, maybe even a PhD, because there's certain therapies that I'm interested in, in supervising, or at least the research as well. Um, but really, the way the reason I ever wanted to do that is because I want to help people. And the way that the world is set up now, you can help millions of people on YouTube or through Instagram. Um, and I know that because I've said there's certain YouTubers that I followed that have really helped me mentally, or you know, with certain things I've learned so much from. These people that who have, I don't even know where they are in the world, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, well, if my intention is to help people, maybe there's other better ways, uses of my time than just one-on-one as a psychologist. So there's multiple. I feel like avenues. the world needs, the world needs the, the help you can provide versus you being 
stuck in a library for eight years doing the PhD. But there's, I, there's value to exactly, that too, though, exactly. you know? I know, I know. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that's what I kind of go back and forth with. And we'll The see. MMA is <laughs> exciting. So, that's, so there's a pretty good shot of that, especially since you're familiar with the yeah. gi. And not, yeah, that, yeah. not that fighting has gi, but, you know, training jujitsu and, you know, you're going to be exposed to it. Um, usually the last thing we ask folks, Victoria, is how did wrestling change your life? But and I don't know why I always say we. It's just me here. But don't, <laughs> there's no one. There's no one behind the banner here. No one else is here. I'm like, <laughs> um, I always say that, though. But you know, the, I usually ask, how did wrestling change your life? Hence the name of the show. Um, but you just said something that piqued my interest because I've gone on some serious YouTube rabbit holes before. Um, what is a, you know, a video or a person on there that you followed that you've really gained a lot from? Um, if you can think of any. For sure. Um, one is Sadhguru. He's a like yogi master. Have you heard of him? Say it again. Sadhguru. S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U, I think. I think. I don't know. Indian dude with a long beard. And um, <laughs> just like his, his teachings are, it's amazing that I can have access to this guy's teachings so readily. Um, and I, he just has so much wisdom and so much knowledge. And it's, so, it's been so valuable. Um, and then there's another guy named Aaron Doughty. That, I, that guy... I mean, he has so many videos. It's hard to even start. He's, he's done daily videos on YouTube for, I think, three years. And that's just so crazy to me. Um, the so commitment. That type of, yeah, that type of commitment to building out your following. Like, he did it, though. He's almost like a million followers now from zero, obviously. Wow. So, but, but his videos I learned a lot from. And he really uh, has introduced me to a lot of other books, researchers, other YouTubers. And so I appreciate his channel a lot. I love it. I'm going to check those out. Victoria Anthony, yeah. it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking some time and we're excited to watch you over the next, uh, hopefully, hopefully the next 10 months, but much further than that. Thank you again. Yes. Thank you so much. That's great. Take care. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text wrestle to five, 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 eight, eight, eight. That's wrestle to five, 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 eight, eight, eight. You can also find us on Instagram wrestling, change my life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, wrestlingchangemylife.com. Take care, y'all.